Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, day two, 10th annual Deer Fest here in West Bend, Wisconsin. Tom Rainey here from Browning Trail Cameras with the Break Podcast with Derek Dernberger. And we have my good friend, Mr. Jeremy Moore here. I think Jeremy might be the best dog man in the country here. <laughs> so we're going to talk about another adventure you have, and that is Dog Bone Hunter. You bet. You bet. Uh, what's, it's what really started us. You know, for me, um, I love training, and, and I always have. Uh, I'm not a formal, you know, trained trainer. Uh, construction's my background, and in college I got a really good gun dog, and that was what really hooked me. I went to college with guys from Minnesota who were big duck hunters, and we got into labs. Now, my family had golden retrievers. I was raised with mm-hmm. golden retrievers, so I guess a little soft spot for them, but um, I got my first lab then and, and really got into the bird stuff, And but I quickly realized, like I said before, man, I'm a deer, deer guy, and when I got out of college, I had a great gun dog, but I realized for those years... I had given up deer hunting, focused on the bird stuff. And the reason I focused on the bird stuff was because of the dog stuff. That's right. always. I wouldn't bird hunt if I didn't have a dog. Yeah. And so, and I think a lot of dog people are that way. And so when I got back home and I had this dog, I realized, man, I just I got to get back into the deer and focus on trying to, at that point in my life, I was really focusing on trying to kill big deer uh, or old deer. And I realized there's not enough time in the day to do both. You can't. You can't really commit to deer hunting and waterfall because there's so much scouting with waterfall. <laughs> you spend so much time doing that. So I decided I kind of backed off on, on the bird hunting stuff, and I had a great dog that looked at me every morning when I would go deer hunting, and I felt <laughs> sick about it. So, But I had heard about guys that were shed hunting with dogs, and um, again, this is a long time ago when I Googled it. There was one article from Outdoor Life that came up on uh, a Google search. Talked about a guy out in Montana, or he was out out Colorado, Montana. He had trained a dog to shed hunt with it. And I had heard about people doing it um, a little bit, but you gotta remember back then, like, you could knock on a door and ask someone to shed hunt, and they would ask you, what is that? They didn't right. even know what it was. <laughs> no idea. And, and, and you could get on anyone's land to do it. Nowadays, it's, you know, ah, my nephew shed or my kids or I do or whatever. So it's, it's changed quite a bit in a relatively short period of time. But back then, I took that older dog of mine and I trained her to shed hunt. Uh, and I threw sheds for her and it worked. And I was really lucky. Well, that dog, despite me, turned into a really good dog as a, <laughs> as a duck dog, as a, as, a, you know, as a goose dog, upland, and sheds. And it really was what motivated and inspired me to take training a little more serious. And so I bought a puppy. Uh, I was just going to shed hunt with that one, and early on in the training, um, she was about six months, I threw an antler for her, and it was really her first introduction to an antler, and she poked herself, and she hurt herself, and she wanted nothing to do with antlers, and I right then I was just sick because I thought, I bought the dog to shed hunt with, and she was deathly afraid of him, and I was, I, I was so disappointed, and at first probably I was disappointed in her, and then I realized real quickly... I should be disappointed in myself. Like, I set her up poorly. Mm-hmm. And so I realized very quickly that in training, when we run into problems, it's it's my it's my fault usually. Um, and I'm not afraid to say it. It's just that's the reality. So I had introduced her the wrong way to an antler, and I thought about it, and I thought, there's got to be a better way to do this. When I train gun dogs, 
If I want to train a dog to be a, a pheasant dog, I would not put it in a pen with a bunch of roosters and cross my fingers. Hope it turns out it doesn't. It's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. uh, too many things uncontrolled, and too many things will go wrong, and the dogs can be turned off. So what I what I do is I incrementally get them there. So I start with a balled up sock, and then I go to a canvas bumper, and then I tape wings to it, then I add scent, cold game, fresh game, fresh killed game, live pigeons. Eventually, I get them to a rooster. And it's incremental, it takes time, and it takes lots of little baby steps. Why wouldn't I do something like that with a shed dog? And so that was when I thought, I use training dummies to, to introduce the shape of a bird. Why not think about doing something like that with an antler? And so I, I sourced a manufacturer, they're made in Minnesota. Um, we, make, we still make them at the same place in Minnesota. But I got this antler and I sent it to him. We made a mold of it. Uh, we created it out of this material that is flexible. Um, it, it's not going to poke or jab or hurt my puppy, but it is going to condition them. To, it looks like an antler. So I'm, I'm shape conditioning the idea of what something looks like to equal a reward. Um, and from there, so then I developed this idea of well, what about the scent part of it? So I, I took a while to figure out how I could replicate some of these scenting elements that are found in an antler. Um, and then I just basically took the process of training a gun dog or bird dog and I, I substituted the shape and the scents. But I take a very, very similar approach. And, get the, and I had success with these dogs picking up antlers. And that really kind of, that started dog work. And it was, that was it. And then I had a client that I was training a dog for and he said, what about tracking? get his dogs to track and he's a big deer guy he's yeah a big deer big time deer hunter and i thought about it and i thought you know what i don't know why you couldn't um i had never trained a dog for tracking uh deer but i had trained lots of bird dogs to track cripples have to and so i i learned a lot from uh, about tracking stuff actually from he's not a sporting dog guy at all uh he was a cop in new york and he trained dogs for that were used during 9-11 um but he trained these dogs as for scent discrimination, for drugs, for bombs, for tracking humans, um, criminals. So I learned a lot about the, the idea of scent discrimination from him. And I, I thought, man, you can, if, you can, if you can train a, a, a dog to follow a guy through the streets of New York based on his skin cells yeah. and adrenaline that's coming off of a criminal that did a crime... I went, damn, gut shot deer in the swamp? No problem. <laughs> My dogs will be just fine. Yeah. And uh, so from that, we developed tools that we used to train dogs to track. Um, and then we wrote, I, I, again, I replicated a very similar process to what I do with a gun dog. Um, just substituted some of the steps and substituted some of the items, the tools, the scents, and had a lot of success with that. So we developed Dogbone as this brand of deer dog training we did a seminar here um, today and yesterday, and we called it Developing Your Deer Dog. That was a segment that we did for North American White. We still do it for North American White Tail TV. Um, but it's this idea of using, have, giving the products and the information to people to be able to train their own dogs to do stuff that's going to help them with deer. Um, and it doesn't mean that you have to give up the other parts. I, my dogs do everything. My dogs do sheds. They do tracking. They do upland. They do duck dogs. Hell, my wife's got a therapy dog out of all. <laughs> yeah. and, and she's the mascot for Whitetails Unlimited. So, like, we just, we just, I think you can do a lot. We never, we never fully get out what the dogs have. Mm-hmm. It's just so fascinating to me that you could come up with that system because the need to, like, be able to track deer, to find sheds recreationally, all those different things, and actually develop a focused training 
process for yeah. teaching them to do that. Because you're right. I mean, we've never really tapped into what dogs can do. Oh. They're t- <laughs> I mean, on any level, it's right. just amazing right. the things that they're capable of. Because right. you even see those article, the stories where, I don't know, a, 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 somebody will have a heart attack. Sure. And like the dog ends up going for help. And yeah. it's like, yeah. well, I always thought Lassie was a scam, <laughs> was man. Say, Lassie I, I was I still. I saw that episode, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Timmy really was in the well. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But you're, you're right. And, like, I, there's been a lot in the news lately with dogs detecting cancer. Yeah. Um, they can detect, they can smell it. Um, you know, diabetic alert dogs have been around for a while now, where they'll they'll detect uh, a person's insulin level up or down before the test will ever read it. I mean, so the 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 ability for the dog's level of acuteness within their nose is like we can't even wrap our minds around it. Yeah. There's stats that they can, you know, scientific stuff that they can show you that dogs can do with their noses. It's mind blowing. I mean, look, think about a deer's nose, right? Now, a deer's life is dependent on the success of their nose mm-hmm. you know and in, in in the old days dogs would have been the same way a good a, you know what they call a dog that can't track a dead one you yeah. know, they, 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 <laughs> a wolf or a coyote that can't track doesn't survive so evolution has weeded out the bad nose um and, and our dogs are you know direct descendants of that so they all smell well um they all have they all have in so many ways the capabilities to do things that we'll never maximize. I, I do my damnedest to try to, but I, even the even the best ones I've ever trained, I couldn't get it all out of them. There's there's no way. Hmm. Now, some people might be curious about this, and I think I'm going to say this correctly. You might have different terminology, or I might just be an idiot because I am it most of be. the time. <laughs> most of the time, that's the that's the correct answer. But you use positive training techniques. Yeah, I do. There's no I don't. Maybe I'm going too far with no negative reinforcement. Yeah. But, but your techniques are positive in yeah. theme, built, basically. Built off of um, a, a reward, uh, and I'm going to say that, and then everyone's going to go, oh, "He's a treat trainer." I'm, I'm not <laughs> a treat trainer. I'm not the guy that wears That's the fanny get you a t-shirt. pack. T-shirt, I know. Yeah, I should have shirts to say I'm not a treat, treat trainer. trainer. Uh, but you know, I, and 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 I don't. I say that somewhat jokingly because uh, I'll offend somebody, and, I, and I, we're a very sensitive society. But uh, I don't mean to offend. I don't have anything against treat training. I don't have anything against force, force stuff, force fetch, shot collars. I want here. I don't use them. Absolutely, do not use them. Um, I don't believe in the mental the, that philosophy. I also don't believe in the philosophy of all positive and treats. Um, I think so, and I and I won't beg on either one much. I will a bit, but <laughs> I think treat training. You run the risk of creating a dog that that acts off of bribery, and I don't want to bribe my dogs to do things. I want to condition habits. Um, the sh- the force part of it, I don't want dogs working out of fear. I don't believe in avoidance training. So I like to find somewhere in the middle, and why I why I tell people I, I never say you shouldn't do this right. you should do this I think you shouldn't be pinned down to one style you should listen to everybody's style and then figure out what fits best for you so I that's what I've done so my style is a complete uh, mix of several other people that I've taken things that I like and I've taken things that I don't like and I've cut things out and I've added things in and I've developed what works best for me and my dogs and my goal and maybe it's turned into a bit of a mission 
is the idea of I would like to let as many people see that so that they realize there is an opportunity to do it other than treat, other than force. And so uh, I'm, I'm a mix somewhere in the middle, but on the, on the scale of force versus treat, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm heavy towards positive. I, and when I say positive, it's because, hell, I think dogs are, I know dogs have been bred to make us happy and please us. They need a job. A lot of them want, need a job to thrive. And the question is, or the hard part is, how do you get that out of them? How do you talk so that the dog understands it? Because it's not as simple as sitting down and having this conversation. I can't explain things to dogs that way. It's just not how they communicate. Deer communicate in a unique way with licking sticks. Dogs communicate in a unique way with tone and body language. And the idea of their timing is very, timing is very important. Maybe one of the most overlooked things with dogs. Correction and praise has to happen within certain short windows of time to be effective. And so I think those are all skills that, that trainers develop um, that, that, that you can improve on. I think the other thing that's um, probably, if anybody accuses me of anything, I'd like them to say, when it comes to dogs anyway, always pretty patient. Yeah. Um, I'm not in a rush. I don't get I don't get I don't get pinned down by time frames. I don't get I don't get I, I'm I I try to avoid the idea of being stressed out because the dog's not doing something in a certain amount of time. Because everyone works a little bit differently. So those are those are philosophy things that come come with the idea of trainers and that's how I lean. But I like I said, I, I don't I don't talk a lot about shot callers because I don't use them. But I, what I want to make sure is people understand I don't use them, and I never will. Uh, I think they create as many or more problems than they'll ever fix. The problem is, is people have been, I think, led to believe that they're, they're the fix-all. And I want to show people that you can do it without them. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's real important for people to understand. Because I think there are a lot of people that don't want to use them. But they don't think they have any other options. Right. Yeah, no, actually, that's why I brought it up because I, I do think that there are people that want to work with their dog yes. that don't want to put them through sh- the shock process. And yes. I think that your process and the way that you go about it is, at least from my particular taste, the, yeah. the way to go. And that's just it. It's a taste thing. I, I love how you say that because some folks don't have a problem with it. You know, right. I, I don't force fetch. Um, I hold condition. I get the same result mm-hmm. without having to pinch the ear and have the dog screaming. Right. That's just that's just my style. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also the fact that I like dogs more than I like most people. <laughs> well, you're not so. the only one. That guy, you know? <laughs> so there's that. Like that. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I've got any ears and noses I want to be pinching, I'm not real sure it's the dog. Yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well said. I might use that. <laughs> Exactly. My life motto right there. I gotta, I'll make that a T-shirt. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so do you, you raise your own pups then? I do, yeah. I, I do some joint stuff. I think genetics are real important. So yeah. over the years, I've developed um, as many relationships. I mean, I'm talking to two guys right now that know the world of relationships and the value and the importance of it, especially in our industry, right? So mm-hmm. over the last um, 15, 16 years, I feel like I've done everything I can to try to really develop strong relationships, um, and and I'm a 
I have really dialed in the style of dog that fits me well. Um, so I've done some joint breeding stuff. I've done some individual breeding stuff. I don't consider myself a breeder. I think breeding is an art. Um, I've gotten, I've gotten, I've been doing it long enough now, um, and I'm, I do it a bit selfishly probably because I know the dog I want. Um, I know the dog that I want to train for my clients, and so in order to replicate it consistently or with with the most consistency as I can, I do think it takes a particular style of dog. And there are certain lines of genetics that I've become real familiar with um, that I lean heavily towards. So I'm not a breeder, um, but I, I, for myself, I take part in some really selective breeding. Um, and as I, as we grow as a company and as we move, move on from a, um, just further down the road as, as our business develops and myself as a trainer um, it'll probably I really feel like one of my goals is to, to just dial that in even tighter and continue mm-hmm. to dial it in um, again it's, 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 it's selfishly I'm looking to I'm looking to work with the best the dog that fits me the best personally might not be the best fit for everybody else right um, but for me, it needs to be. And I do think there's a lot of people, you, you go to our booth and you see the dogs, and there's a lot of people that I think are drawn to the idea of that style of dog. I like a little bit, I like a dog that has plenty of energy in the field, but is very easily controlled and very cooperative. I think cooperative is one of the traits yeah. I look for in a dog. Um, and that there are a lot of ties back genetically to stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I bought a lab about a year and a half ago or so, um, and I didn't really look at pedigree and, and those type of things. And one thing I just found out is there's two different types of labs, that's what I've been told, field labs and yep. water dogs or duck dogs. So there's... Sure. Yeah, I th- well, I think there's different styles. Um, you know, we there's lots of variations. And when you say I didn't look at the pedigrees, I'll be honest with you, the pedigrees don't mean much unless you know the dogs behind the pedigrees. Yeah. Like, on paper, hell, I don't know most names. There are a few that I do. Um, but and, there, and it's interesting because as you look at more and more of them, you realize a lot of dogs out there are from a couple core names over the last however many generations. Yeah. Um, we see that all the time. But unless you actually know those dogs and know the style of the dogs. I think one of the best ways to put it is when it, when it comes to looking for the right dog, and I, I, I steal this completely from a podcast that I listened to of a, <laughs> a guy that he owns, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but he owns a, a kennel called Paint, R- Paint River Llewellyns, the Paint River Setters. He's a, uh, it's a Llewellyn Setter kennel. Um, the guy, I think, lives in New York. I listened to it, Project Upland, was the podcast. But he said... The thing that you need to do is buy a dog from someone who hunts the way you hunt and hunts what you hunt. And so I think, I've always said, a dog should come from the style of, what's important is the training style, the lifestyle, and the hunt style. Those things have to match what you're going to do. You can't fit round pegs in square holes. It's hard to do. So... There are differences in these in the labs. There's big different. There's lots of differences. Um, I lean heavily towards what is known as a a UK bred dog or a British style field dog, not yep. table. 
So I always look at, there's field dogs and there's show dogs. Mm-hmm. Some are bred for confirmation and looks, that's the show dog. Some are bred for natural game finding ability. Strong noses in the American, now huge difference between the American style of field trial and the UK style of field trial. Um, UK, I prefer the UK style of field trials because it relates better to my hunting versus American field trials and hunt tests lean heavily towards some control with the dog. I almost think that, and I'll get in hot water for saying this, but I almost think that sometimes they breed out a lot of the qualities that I look for in a hunting dog. Yeah. Because in order for them, and I don't blame them, because they're playing a certain type of game and they need a certain type of player to do well in it, and that type of player isn't necessarily what I'm looking to do because all I do is hunt. I don't yeah. compete. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I want a hunting dog, and I want a family dog. I, I mean, I've, I should reverse the order of that. My dogs are family dogs first. Yeah. Because, hell, I don't hunt that much and compared to live with my family. <laughs> right. And, and the best hunting dog in the world, if it can't do the things I'm doing at these shows and in our house, and if it can't do that stuff, it, it has no value to me in the field um, because I'm not into – I just think that the dog is not a tool that you park in the shed when the season's over. It's not like right. a four-wheeler. Right. Um, it's part of our family, and that's how it fits in. That's how we build it in kind of to our life. Yeah. So. Well, where can people find information on Dogbone Hunter? What's the website? So, dogbonehunter.com. Okay. And – Dogbone Hunter is our, uh, what do we call it, the con- the username? Your Instagram handle? Yeah, yeah, the handle. Yeah, so Dogbone Hunter for everything. Okay. So it's a lot easier. Um, and that's our YouTube, our Instagram, our Facebook. And I do, I think, you know, we're probably a little bit, <laughs> I'm probably a little old-fashioned. Uh, I'm not super techie, if you can believe that. <laughs> but uh, I think that those social platforms for us, especially with with dog bone Hell yeah. are so valuable because it's such an easy way for us to share information. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I just think that, you know, we have made a major point. We've got DVD, we've done training DVDs and we do a full line of training products and we've evolved from shed to game recovery to general dog training. Um, but, and so we have these different branches off of our, off of our line, mm-hmm. but the information part, Right. I mean, that, that to me, we train dogs. We literally train. We've got one right now that's 16 weeks old that Ben will be recording all the training, and we'll put it live onto you. We'll basically put it live to YouTube. It'll be a right. daily upload. We're doing a series right now with a, a yellow lab that I'm training that's doing hand casting, going back, rights, and lefts. Right. We called it Cody Go Back. We've done 30 days in a row of it, and you see the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I really believe that's the value because you see all the – Mess. I get a little comfortable. I'm having a few beers. You see all the f- uh, messing up I do. Watch those words yeah, now. Right. So, so you see, you see all the mistakes. You see all the things that go wrong. Right. And it's a little risky on my part as a trainer because you can look like a real fool. Right. But it is so valuable because my dogs make the same mistakes as you. Right. I do think Instagram and Facebook and some of the social stuff serve as highlight reels at times mm-hmm. and they don't show necessarily the mess. Right. And so we have decided, ah, I'm not that proud. I'll show the mess. No, I, th- I think there's value in that on those social platforms providing the authentic content. Totally. I, th- I think that everybody has, especially as people getting older, they've been using things for 10, 12, 15, 20 years now. I think right. authentic is... Yes. 
is making a move to the top of the list of things that people are interested yeah. in. And I and I and I thrive off of that. Because yeah. I, because I, hell, I make lots of mistakes. I mean, you want to, you want, I'm good at making mistakes, <laughs> and so it's something I do very well. And but what I, what I think is cool is the idea of how do you respond. I right. think mistakes are opportunities <laughs> for dogs to learn. Most of the time, they are not when you lose your cool. Yeah, and that's right. where that's where I, I go back to that, the P word, patience. Um, it's the biggest compliment I can get when I'm at a show for someone to look at me and go, you're just so damn patient with those dogs. Now, if you ask my wife or my kids or Ben, one of the guys, one of the guys that I work with, if you ask any of the guys I work with, I don't know that patience is going to be on the top of their list. Yeah. And it's, You've exhausted it all with the dogs. Yeah, I have, I'm a Jekyll and Hyde, man. I, I, but, but I realize with the dogs, you don't have any option. Right. You can't be a can't be an asshole to the dog you can't rationalize yeah. it with him yeah they, they 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 my dogs i'll hurt their feelings and if i hurt their feelings they won't learn yeah. and so right. i have to i have to recognize it, it's about being self-aware of, of, right. of what's around you and i and they know what training dogs has made me a more patient person with my family right with my kids with faith like it's just it's it's in all the parts of my life uh dogs have made me better and that is something i'll I, I i really appreciate it and i won't forget it you know it's something that i'm reminded of it often so well one of the things that i like about both of your brands with the licking stick and with your uh dog bone hunter is they're both like next step brands so like if, if you've learned how to shed hunt and you're interested yep. in shed hunting if you want to take that next step right. you start looking at the dog bone hunter alternatives right. if you want to find ways to identify what deer are using your field and get better imagery and see how they're interacting with each other then you get involved with the licking stick so that's what i like about both the brands you've got it's both like next level things both next level interaction yep uh and so i think that what you were talking about the more authentic content becomes more relevant because when people look to take the next step people become more intellectually engaged in what they're seeing so they don't want to see everything polished up they want to see what bumps am i going to encounter as i try to do this or i try to engage in this so i I think there's a lot of common sense involved in providing more authentic content for people that are looking to take the next step and evolve whether it's the dog bone hunter or the licking stick type stuff i've i've realized with the social stuff and we got relatively late into this game of building social media following and all that stuff but i have 100% 100% realized, our, and I've always I've said this, we're not, our following's not real wide. Mm-hmm. It's extremely deep. So, like, the, the people that are with us, man, they're with us. And, and I will all day long take that type of a follower as opposed to, eh, you know, there's no depth to it. Yeah. And so I'm a, I'm a, because I also think we've realized it's a long, it's a long game. Training dogs is not a sprint; it's a marathon. I use that all the time. So is growing a business. Like I'm, we, uh, my partner and I, did. We never once have we said, "Let's build it really big, really fast, so we can sell it." Right. Like I've got kids, and I hope to have grandkids. And I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind our company. Our company's name is actually More Outdoors. I wouldn't mind my grandkids working. For right. Yeah. You know, like my kid works for me right now. He's here at the show. He's working for me right now. Um, well, wait a minute. I, 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 I've seen uh, 
the ten-year-old in the shop too. Red. Oh, red. <laughs> I've seen red with a broom, oh, buddy. Red, I've red, seen them all red working. Makes, red makes a Chinese sweatshop look like a, look like a Christmas break. Man. I've seen them all <laughs> no, out no, there, no. buddy. That, that, red, red's a machine. Sierra is her name. You know, we we call her Red. Yeah, yeah. But Sierra, um, she's ten years old, and she grinds it out in the summer in our shop and. And Mason's, you know, over here with Rutt Daniels, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're busy. But, right. Um, you know, but, yeah. So I, I look at it and I go, and my partner feels the same way. We both said, he's got young kids, and we both said growing a business is not a sprint, it's a marathon. Right. And we just have to take that approach and be okay with the idea of it just takes a while. So, yeah. um, but I love opportunities like this. I really appreciate you guys having me um, giving me the chance to kind of share our story i think that's um i find a lot of interest in other people's stories yeah and so i thank you for letting us kind of share ours well it's our pleasure i don't know that i've got any more questions i think you've got me satisfied for this afternoon oh, here yeah. at deer fest oh, this for was you. great yeah i cool. think this will be a good cool. one so thank you guys i appreciate it yeah appreciate you stopping by yeah, I was going to say, for sure, once again, Mr. Jeremy Moore with The Licking Stick, and you can find him at thelickingstick.com. You can also find him on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Hodag Licking Stick. He also has Dogbone Hunter, and that's dogbonehunter.com. Dogbone Hunter on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. So if you got any questions, you want to find anything out about both of these brands, check those out on the local interweb. And I believe that's going to do it for me and Mr. Derek Dernberger for today, the second day. 10th annual Deer Fest, West Bend, Wisconsin, and we will hope to see you on down the trail. Mm-hmm.